Uh, my name's Carola and I'll be bringing the Bible reading today. Uh, we've got two Bible readings. The first is Mark 10, which you have, if you have the blue Bible, it's on page 1014. Um, so I'll go on with that one now. They were on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and he and will be him and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. The second verb uh, reading is from Mark 15. We're reading from verses 44 to 16:8. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Hey, so um, Natasha and I just finished watching a show and it was about a therapist and um, he decided to try some unconventional uh, methods of helping those he came into contact with. It was a new one. It just came out. It was really funny and witty and moving and, and, and um, emotional. It was just a really feel-good show, actually. Maybe you've seen it. The only trouble was, finished after eight episodes. What's going to happen next? And then I found out there's a season two. Yay for me. I'm excited. Um, maybe you've had similar experiences with shows you've watched. The trouble then is you forget what happens between them, don't you? You go, what do I do? Well, I reckon, thinking of that, Easter Sunday is like finding out the story, the show that you loved has just dropped another season and you weren't expecting it. If Good Friday is like the end of season one, then Easter Sunday is the beginning of season two. All the plot twists, all the character development from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, has all landed on the cross of Jesus Christ. And like that last few moments in a show when all the bits and pieces come together, so what happened? 
that when Jesus was crucified, we finally see clearly who he is, who he was and his purpose in life. You see, Jesus came not to say, I'm strong and brilliant, pull yourself up, be like me. No, he came and exchanged places with you and me because we aren't strong and brilliant. He came to judge our sin, to reconcile us back to God. Not just dying to get rid of sin, like a cosmic curbside collection as we saw on Friday, but then giving us his goodness as well. A pastor 400 years ago by the name of Richard Sibb summarized Easter Friday by this. He said, there is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. There is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. And we'll come to Sunday and season two begins and it opens with the resurrection of Jesus. And that's why Easter Sunday is such a big deal. The power of death could not silence the author of life. In season one, we receive the benefits of his death. In season two, we receive the power of his life. And the best thing about season two, never ends. It just goes on. And when your life fades to black, it just keeps going and going for all eternity as Jesus is still alive. And one day we'll see him face to face. My question is, on Easter Sunday, for you, are you ready to meet the resurrected Jesus? Are you ready to meet the resurrected Jesus? Hey, let's explore that. Let's look at what Mark, the first who, to write a biography about the life of Jesus, let's, what he, let's listen and hear what he said about the resurrection. And we'll begin by looking at, first of all, what Jesus thought about his resurrection. So what did Jesus think about all of this? Well, Mark 10, our first Bible reading, clues us in. Jesus tells his followers, claiming that he would know how he's going to die, and then at the very end it says, three days later he will rise. So much hangs on this. Because if Jesus is right in advance about his own resurrection from the dead, it means he's trustworthy. He's not a liar, he's not a lunatic, and there's genuine hope in the face of death as well. If Jesus really was raised, then we can be too. Now, it's a big claim. But the resurrection is more than just proof of Jesus being God. The resurrection isn't just like the brand's logo on a piece of clothing so you know it's real and authentic. The resurrection is at least that, but it's infinitely more. The resurrection matters because it's the beginning of God's plan to restore the world back to himself. You see, when Jesus rose, we have hope for the future, but we have hope from the future. And in his resurrection, Jesus opens the door to this life to all of us, inviting you and me to enter his kingdom to have life with him. Because after all, if he's alive, it means he's a living person to follow, worship, enjoy. It's a powerful sign. Think of it like this. If you went shopping yesterday, maybe you went to Bunnings or Big W or Kmart and often in those places you pay for things, you get your receipt and you walk out and as you get to the, to the, the door, someone's standing there and they say, excuse me, is that yours? And you flash your little bit of paper and you say, this is mine. It proves I've paid for it in full. And the resurrection is like God saying, paid in full over your life. It's the receipt. It's the assurance that sin and death have been paid for by Jesus. And that's what Jesus thinks about his resurrection. 
He knows it's the beginning of a life on the other side of sin and shame and guilt and rubbish and fear and rejection and stuff that you face and go through into a life that will never end. That's what Jesus saw. That's a big claim. What did the people watching on that first Easter Sunday think? Let me tell you two reactions to Jesus' resurrection. The first one comes from three women, Mary, Mary and Salome. At the start of Mark 16, we read these verses. When the Sabbath was over, Mary, Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices. They might go anoint Jesus' body. Those spices are used to anoint and embalm the dead. You don't buy that quantity of spices unless you're expecting to find a corpse. But 36 hours after Jesus' death, something extraordinary happened. The trouble is, these three women still think as if it's season one. They're operating from a narrative that says, we're on the way to see a dead Jesus. And they interpret everything through that. Which is why they chat about, in verse three, who's going to throw the stone away, right? Jesus and his resurrection do not fit their expectations. And when they're confronted with a new narrative of the resurrection of Jesus, they're afraid and they're fearful. They, they need a few moments to have a cup of tea and sit down and process it because it's not what they expect. To think of the shock they felt, just think back to last night's game with Port and Sydney. They think they've got the goal only to find out it didn't go in, it's been knocked out. That shock is how they felt. A whole narrative changed in that moment, right? And when they got to the tomb, a young man was sitting there in white robes on the right-hand side where Jesus should be laying. You know, historically, Easter Sunday has been associated, represented with two colours the church has used, white and gold. White is about clean, being clean from sin, from things that stain us in life, from defilement, that sort of thing, but also divinity. Mark tells us in his account, if you go back a few chapters, Jesus once became brighter, the whitest white you've ever seen when he went to a mountain and his glory was, was peeled back a little bit to see. And this young man is whiter than white, showing his divinity too. And he's sitting on the right-hand side. The gold is tied up with the future life of Jesus and how the best of all creation will one day be used to magnify and glorify him. You see, what appears as a nice man in nice clothes is actually the presence of God's messenger, one of God's voices. And just as Mark began his biography of Jesus' life, giving us four voices to listen to, he concludes the story of Jesus' life and death with one more voice, a divine voice, coming after Jesus, declaring what has happened to him. And he says, don't be afraid or alarmed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they lay him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter. He will go ahead of you to Galilee. And there you'll see him just as he told you. It's a staggering claim. Jesus has risen He's not found where dead people are. The messenger says, go and tell his disciples too. And notice two things. Firstly, Jesus wants to meet with them. This is why I said resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus is hope from the future. There would be no hope if God waited for us to make the first move. After all, the women's narrative has a dead Jesus in it. 
But the messenger has come to change that by telling them Jesus is going ahead to meet them very soon. You see, the Christian faith is deeply personal. We don't just believe in a God, but a personal God who put on a human body, who died for us so that we can live a new narrative in life. This Jesus is alive on the other side of death. And notice how the messenger didn't say, oh, you'll see Jesus when you die, just believe in that. Or he didn't say, believe that Jesus is alive in your heart, that's what you need. No. He wants them to know the resurrected Jesus is going to be involved in their life right now. Which is why he mentions Peter. Why Peter? Well, Peter denied Jesus three times the moment just before he was crucified. Peter was one of the most passionate, excited, colourful followers of Jesus, ready to follow him to death and never deny him, and sadly he did. Because it turned out Peter based his love and passion for Jesus on his love for Jesus, not Jesus' love for him. And when life got tricky, when pressure mounted, Peter wasn't brave, Peter wasn't confident, and Peter crumbled. Here's the most uncomfortable truth but wonderful. Do not make Christianity about your love for Jesus. Christianity is about Jesus' love for you. Our hearts will tell us that our love and our strength is like a world that connects us to God. But the Gospel of Jesus says weakness connects you to God. The resurrection of of Jesus shows God's love for you because it's the reminder that you aren't strong, Jesus is. He rose from the dead to show you that. And on the other side of death and sin, he gently tells Peter and all of us, I want to restore you. That's hope from the future. And you can have that too. And then, quite abruptly, the the book ends. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is a big deal. They need a few moments to process a whole new narrative of what God has done in the resurrection. It's going to take a while. And maybe you're there too thinking, I just need to think through this a little bit more. That's fine. Please do. There's no rush. Because their entire narrative was thrown off in the course of a moment. Those spices they had, they're useless. Even though Jesus told them repeatedly, it's all part of my plan to rise from the dead, as we saw in Mark 10, it was still too much for them to fully grasp and understand. And like the women, our instinct here might be to run away from the resurrection. Not physically, I hope. I was having dinner with some friends a few years back, and they're non-Christian friends, and I love them to bits, and we were doing the dishes, and one of them, we were washing the dishes together, and and we were talking about Jesus, and he said at one point, I can believe that Jesus was a good man, maybe even God, and that he died. That's, I get that, that concept of sin. And, but, you know, I'm, I'm studying medicine and, and I can't believe he rose from the dead because people don't do that. The resurrection was the stumbling block to belief. But Jesus invites you to keep thinking and exploring. He wants to meet you there. Now, there's one more reaction I want to end with today to Jesus' resurrection we saw from this narrative. And it was the young man. Yes, the divine messenger. But how did he react to the resurrection? Joyfully announcing Jesus has risen and they will see him. 
His reaction is to tell this beautiful news of Jesus to others. And then Mark finishes it right there because he's wanting us to make a decision too. Will you be like those disciples and run away in fear or will you believe, repent and follow Jesus into a new life? A hope from the future every day. Knowing that Jesus wants to meet you in this life as Saviour with mercy, grace and kindness. Because one day we will meet him in the next and there will only be justice when we meet him then. Which means the question for all of us is are you ready to meet Jesus? Just as death was not the end for him, so it won't be the end for us. The resurrection is God's invitation into a new season of life. A life that begins now and has a resurrection like his into the future. You know, the show that me and Natasha watched, I haven't a clue if season two will be any good. Often you start season two and think, ah, they should have stopped at one. But I know this, that life with Jesus is better, more joyful, more certain, more attractive than anything I can watch. You don't have to be afraid and troubled like the women. You don't have to be overcome with grief for what you have done like Peter. Jesus knows each of us here. Follow him into a new season of life through faith and repentance. Is that what you think of Easter Sunday and this Jesus? Let's pray. Let's sing and reflect again in the kindness of God to us through Jesus in rising from the dead. Our great God, you love us to bits, so much so that Jesus not only died but rose, leaving sin and death in the tomb. And when he came out, so he invites us to a new life with him May that be our story. Lord, help us go from season one to season two thinking by your spirit through your kindness to us all. Amen.